Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. During this series, we no longer call her Gomer, although I probably will. We call her G. All right. Hosea chose G. All right. And they start this relationship, and this un- unlikely couple gets together, and it seems like things are grand. A preacher finds love, a prostitute find, finds acceptance and security, and that's how it begins. The problem is, is even though Hosea was able to get Gomer out, or G, out of the red light district, he was never able to get the, light, the red light district out of Gomer, right? And that's an issue. So how many of us allow our name to be changed, but we don't allow our character to be changed? That's the, that's the entire story. We, we change geography, but we never are able to let go of the scenery of our past. That's what we read. So join me in Hosea chapter 1. We're going to read verse 2 through 9, a little bit more uh, information this week than last week out of the account. Listen to what it says. Uh, Here is the first message. The Lord said to Hosea, go and marry a girl who is a prostitute. Now listen to this line. So that some of her children will be born to you from other men. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> something wrong with this account right here. Uh, uh, was that you, God? Uh, but that's what he says to do. And this is why. This will illustrate the way my people have been untrue to me, committing open adultery against me by worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said, said Name the child Jezreel. For in the valley of Jezreel, I am about to punish King Jehu's uh, d- dynasty to avenge the murders he committed. In fact, I will put an end to Israel as an independent kingdom, breaking the power of the nation in the valley of Jezreel. Soon Gomer had another child, this one a daughter. And God said to Hosea, name her Loriama, meaning no more mercy. For I will have no more mercy upon Israel to forgive her again. But I will have mercy on the tribe of Judah. I will personally free her from her enemies without any help from her armies or her weapons. After Gomer had weaned Loborama, she conceived again. And this time she gave birth to a son. Listen to this. And God said, call him Loami, meaning not mine. For Israel is not mine, and I am not her I hate my marriage and how to get out. What happens if you're in a marriage that you hate and you want to get out? We already said it last week that we, no, 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 no. That's not the way out because we said that God will not give us instructions that go against his written word. So the only way out is to get back in and turn what you hate into what you love. So what, so, do, so what do we do with this account? How, how do we deal with it? See, the instructions that God had given Hosea from the beginning was they should have prepared him, but I don't think it did. Would it have prepared you? 
I mean, how many of us get warnings ahead of time about people, but then when they do what we had warnings that they were going to do, it still surprises us, and we act like we didn't have a clue, right? That's the account here. She will have children by others. By, by the time that G has their third child, there's this downward spiral that's in full motion. In fact, the third child, God comes in and he says, listen, name this child this way. And the meaning is, not mine. Not my kin is another translation. So in other words, what's taking place here is Hosea takes this third child, a son. On the day that this, this little boy is born, he picks him up and, and he cuddles him and he curls him up. And then he peers into the, this little bundle of joy into his face and he doesn't see himself. He sees somebody else. His worst suspicions have come to pass. That she's been unfaithful. So Hosea comes home after a long day and a hard day of declaring God's word. And when he gets to the door, the children greet him, but there's no wife to greet him. He walks into the bedroom wondering what's going on and he finds a short dear Hosea note that tells us that, that G has decided that after establishing this life and this relationship together, that she is going to go back to what she was involved in before. I don't have time to read it to you, but you ought to go read Hosea chapter 2 uh, for yourself because if you read Hosea chapter 2, it's God speaking to the children of Israel through the circumstance of this relationship. But I want you to go back and read it like you would about a husband and a wife, because that's really what it's about. This is what we discover in Hosea chapter 2, that, that we see the pain caused by Homer's stepping out, because Hosea pleads with her in chapter 2, verse 2. Then he threatens to disinherit inherit her in uh, chapter 2, verse 3, but she still goes after her lovers. He tries to stop her in chapter 2, verse 6, but she continues to seek seek. Uh, her lovers out and finally there's these moments where uh, G would repent and come home and then it never seemed to work out she would leave again I, I wish this morning that I could stand here and tell you that this account from this book is uncommon I wished I could tell you that what we read about and, and the backdrop against which we are talking through is not common to so many, but the truth is, is that if I told you that this was uncommon, I would be lying to you. Did you know that uh, in a recent study that one-third of all married couples, both partners will state that they've stepped out on their spouse? And that once they step out the first time, they are 350% more likely to step out again. Did you know that uh, when surveyed, those that have stepped out, they discover, as, as they research their relationship, they discover that most of them step out within the first two years of marriage. I wish the story wasn't common. I wish this was just an account that we could kind of glaze over and sterilize it and sanitize it and say this doesn't really happen, but this is the truth this morning. Stepping out is way too common. I wish I didn't even have to talk to you about this account as a body, but, but, but I've got to ask you a very, 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 very blunt question this morning. Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're trying to establish relationship, I still have to ask the same question, and that is this. Are you Hosea or are you Gomer? 
Who are you? Because we're all in these stories. We're all in these stories. Most of us hope that we would be the ones that step up, but if we're not careful, we have this tendency to step out rather than step up. And so what I want to do is I want to go back through this relationship just a little bit and, and just tell you a couple, three, three things that I just want to mention to you briefly to, to help you guard against stepping out because there, it's painful. There's too much pain. The destruction is beyond you. It's, we, want to, we want to guard. So this morning I want to say to you that some, some things. I want, to, I want to say to you, first of all, that stepping out is not about skin. Stepping out is not about skin. If you go back what you discover, if you read in chapter 2, verse 5, I didn't have time to read it to you, but the Bible says that, that the way that um, Gomer was wooed back into her previous lifestyle is that her previous lovers came along and promised to lavish her with material goods. They promised her, it's like the beer commercial, right? They make it look, everybody's running down the beach and all beautiful and all tanned. They never show you the next morning like when you're hugging the toilet, right? So that, that's what they did with her is they promised her all these material things. They don't tell her the end story, which is that if you continue to read, she ends up in the slave market naked with men bidding on her. you got to remember how they win her back. They promise to lavish material things on her. This is not about skin. Her, her stepping out eventually involves some skin, but I really believe that her the reason that she uh, struggled and wanted to step back into what she'd been into before was really about lifestyle, and it was about cycles that were alive in her heart that she never addressed. See, many of you in this morning in this room, you're, you're already checking out on me because you, you would say, well, Steve, you just don't know about my marriage. You just don't know about my relationship. You don't know about this guy. I'm dating this girl. I'm dating. I would never step out. You just don't know. I'm stronger than that. I would never step out. I would never do this. I would never do that to them. But I want to say to you this morning that, that, that you need to understand that we have this tendency, if we're not careful, to step out. And it may never involve another person. It's not about skin. See, you can step out on the person that you love with a hobby. You can step out on the person you love with a job. You can step out on the person you love with a car or with media. Or you can step out, here's some other ways that we don't ever think about. You can step out by keeping score. Like, like you're keeping score, rem remembering what they did. You can step out by, by hiding money. You can step out by confiding in other confidants, confidants and not being honest because there are many types of affairs. They're not all physical. There are, are financial affairs. There are emotional affairs. There, there are even geographical affairs. What are you talking about? That means you're present but you're absent. You're sharing a house, but you're not really together. See, Gomer was there, but she was gone. Stepping out is really about um, out-of-control desires. Desire for attention, desire for excitement, desire for conquest. That's why so often when you hear about people, see, see, if, see if Julie and I are just different than everybody else. This is kind of how we think. Uh, we'll hear about somebody that's had an affair. And we have this conversation. We've had this conversation before. And we go, she left that for this? What? This makes no sense. 
okay, so are, are we the only ones? Okay. Like, like you hear about this guy that leaves his, his wife. Uh, they, they've been married like 16 years, and all of a sudden he steps out, and, and the, the woman he's married to is like put together and beautiful and, and outgoing, and, and, not, and then you find out he's had an affair, and you look at who he had the affair with, and you go, what in the world were you thinking? Like, she's got no teeth, and she's no hair, and... Seriously. But it has nothing to do with skin. It has everything to do with desires that are unaddressed, and it has this thing to do with the need for something that is not being dealt with in our relationship. So if you don't hear anything else I say about this fact that it's not about skin, I want you to hear this statement because this applies to all of us, not just married couples. This applies to all of us. Listen to this statement I want to make to you. You need to find out what you're trying to feel or you will flirt. I'm going to say that again. You need to discover in your own life what it is you're trying to fill up because if you don't discover what that is and address it, at some point in your life you will flirt with something that you think will address what you're trying to feel. So you got to deal with it. The second thing I want to say to you is we need to understand that stepping out is a process. It's a process. Do you really think that G just woke up one morning and decided to go back to prostitution? I mean, like she, the morning before, Hosea, like he's being all romantic and he, he walks in with breakfast in bed and puts it over in the little tray and she wakes up and he's got the bubble bath drawn for her. And then all of a sudden, one morning, she just like, like rolls over, looks at the little white house, the picket fence and the three and a half kids and the two, two dogs and, and two, two chariot garage and, and suddenly just wakes up one morning and goes, yeah, I just don't think I can handle this anymore. I'm out. You really think it had No. It's a process. Affairs are a process. It's a small slip here. It's a small glance there. Can I tell you what Gomer discovered? Gomer discovered that, and she discovered this literally, that small steps lead to baby steps. And ultimately she discovers that baby steps lead to giant steps. So what we do in this process, if we're not careful, is we excuse our way to entanglement. That was good. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to find somebody that thought that was good other than me. We excuse ourselves into entanglement. It's just a small look. It's just a few moments. It's innocent in the office. And it's this process, and then all of a sudden, suddenly, we wake up, and we're in an affair. Let me show you how this works. Attention leads to affection. Affection leads to an affair. So, the more attention you give to something, or to someone, the more your heart will be attached to and invested in that thing. Where, you, where your treasures are... Okay, so as you become attached by affection or longing, you will suddenly find yourself in an affair. So one, what I want to say to you then is this. Your want will increase your watch. Think about what I just said. Your want will increase your watch. 
So this is what happens in the secrecy of our own hearts. We want something so bad that we begin to watch it more. And then our affections get turned towards that thing. And then there's an investment, an attachment, a soul tie. And we get trapped. It doesn't happen overnight. You're not just going to roll over tomorrow and have an affair. You're not just going to wake up in the morning and go, Well, been married for 22 years, but I'm ready for something new and this is the day. I had it circled on my calendar for the last 22 years. On March, this was the day that I... It doesn't happen that way. It's a process. So I've got to ask you these questions. What small steps are you taking? Who or what has your mind, your thoughts, your time? What or who are you longing for? What little things are leading you to much larger things? Because here's the truth. You are either stepping up or you're stepping out. There is no neutral ground in relationships. There is no neutral, no, like, like there are demilitarized zones, right, where it's, it's neutral. The, that, that is not how it works in relationships. There is no neutral ground. You are either stepping up or you're stepping out. You don't get to drift. You don't get to play, put it in neutral and coast. You are either moving towards one another or you're moving away from one another. It's the only way it works. So if that's the case, and this is not uncommon, can I help you this morning? On the last one, can I tell you, can I help you and let you know that the cause of affairs and the cure for affairs are absolutely the same thing? Well, if I could get, if I, if I, no, listen, the cause of affairs and the cure for affairs is exactly the same thing. You know what it is? Access. Access. Gomer's access to the old life pulled her back to it. In fact, I, I've already told you in, in, in chapter 2, verse 5, Gomer pursued her lovers. She still had access to them. While, I, while Hosea was out preaching, the, we, we can read between the lines and understand that, that Gomer was left alone. And so what I want to tell you this morning is that isolation breeds indiscretion. Yeah, you missed it. I got to say that again. What we've got to understand is this. Isolation breeds indiscretion. If you don't believe that, go read the story of David and Bathsheba. The reason that David has an affair with Bathsheba was because he was all by himself when he wasn't supposed to be all by himself. And so my question for you this morning is how many of us are isolated on our phones? How many of us are isolated in our dreams? How many of us are isolated in our goals? How many of us are isolated in our viewing habits? Nobody has access to it. So then isolation breeds indiscretion. But it even goes one step further than that. Isolation not only breeds indiscretion, but it also breeds and diminishes inhibition. Let me say that again. Not only does isolation breed indiscretion, it also diminishes inhibition. Because if you're all by yourself, you will do things that you would never think about doing if other people knew what you were about to do. That's why you'll send a text that nobody else has access to that you would never send if everybody else saw what you were getting. 
Y'all ain't helping me a bit. I, I must be stepping on everybody's toes. Because if you are all by yourself, you will do things. You will watch things. You will laugh at things. You will involve yourself in things. You will touch things that you would have never touched, watched, or involved yourself in if you had somebody around you saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think that's a good, good move right there. But when you're by yourself, it removes inhibition. So here's the deal. If you allow access, it can lead you to an affair. But also, on the flip side, if you allow access, it can guard you against having an affair. Okay, I, I got all kinds of stories I could tell you. I'll just tell you one. We sat in a, a counseling uh, session with a couple who are no longer married, and the guy looked at us because she, she was concerned that he was stepping out, and uh, and uh, we addressed it and said, uh, you could really help this situation if you'd give her access to, like, all your electronic devices. His response was, no. This is my work phone. Funny that the affair that he ended up having started on the work phone. But he wouldn't give access. All he had to do to safeguard his whole marriage and salvage his whole marriage was give her the passcode to his phone. And he would not do it. Access. That's all it, that's all it takes. See, the real issue is this, is who or what you grant access to. Some of us are headed for an affair because we grant access to the wrong things and the wrong people. In order to affair-proof your relationship, what you have to do is it's absolutely essential to grant access to the right things and the right people. That's why here in this congregation, one of the things that we push so hard is covenant eyes for not just men but for women as well. So that when you are on your phone and when you are on your computer, there are other people that find out what you're looking at. We got guys and girls in this congregation right now that can't even install or delete an app on their own phone because they don't know the code to, to change it. They have to hand it to their spouse and say, can you put the code in so I can add Sports Center? You, would say, you say that's stupid. Well, is it more stupid than having an affair? The only change, the only change is access. Access stops all that. See, your relationship is really only as secure as the boundaries that you have set in place. So the thing I want to say to you this, this morning is this. If you want to affair-proof your marriage, you need to put in boundaries. There should be boundaries that you won't cross. For instance, ladies, sorry, I'm taken. I won't go to lunch with you. I won't have a private conversation with you in my office. I'm sorry, I have boundaries. Don't look at me like that. Some of y'all need to put the same boundary in because you go to lunch every day with the women in your office or the men in your office and your husband or your wife doesn't even know it and people in the community are talking about it whether you are or not. Oh, that flew back at me. Oh, I'm sorry. Boundaries. Your relationship is only secure as the boundaries you have in, your place, but I, in place, but I want to say this also. Boundaries are only as strong as boundary buddies. Access. So what I'm saying, I'm, I'm just simply saying this. 
Who in your life can call you on the boundaries they know you have set up? See, when it gets practical, we don't like it very much. Who in our life, who has permission, access to your life that knows that you've, you've, you've done your best to set some boundaries and when they watch you begin to cross the boundaries, they have the right and permission to jerk a knot in your chain even if it's painful. Say, uh-huh, I saw you out to lunch. I see how long you're spending on your phone. I got the Covenant Eyes report, and don't try to play it off as the ads that just mysteriously pop up on the side. We know you were. Some of the hardest calls I've ever had to make are to people that I'm in relationship with and, and call them on the boundaries of their life. And you say, well, Steve, I'm not married. Well, then it's a great time to set up boundaries and to secure some boundary buddies that will call you on the boundaries that you need to keep to stay safe. We, wanna, we act like guardrails are bad. It kills me how many people want to complain about guardrails and boundaries. I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to live my life in a glass house. I refuse to live my life thinking about what other people think about me. And they want to complain about guardrails and boundaries until they've already wrecked. And then they go, if somebody would have come along and told me, I wouldn't have ruined my life and ruined the life of the people around me and damaged my children and wrecked my car and went into bankruptcy and did all this stuff. And all we, if we did just listen to people that said, hey, there's a guardrail there, and the guardrail there is not to ruin your fun and keep you from having a good time and keep you from flirting and keep you, the guardrail is there to protect you. Nobody likes guardrails, but we need them, and we need people that we trust that can kick, I'm going to just say it like a, can kick our rears, because this, isn't it, I'm just, I just, this is about Steve, maybe it's not about you, okay, I'll just preach about me, okay, I'll just do that so I'll let you off the hook, isn't it true that, that I'm preaching about me, so I guess it's true, we, we, we get, don't we like to get as close to the line as we can? Why, why, why is it that too many of us, I don't, why, why don't we like, here's the line, so if there's danger here, I'm going to be like this. But our nature is, especially crazy people that walk on like plexiglass things in buildings that stick out over that, so you can see down up in New York, like Nutso, Chicago, wherever they were. They, no, we want to get as close as we can. And there's been like 9 million people standing on that plexiglass, so, so we trust them. Well, what if 9 million and 1 was the breaking point? You're nuts. Why, why do we get as close? So we get over here instead. But why do we do that? We're like, we're like, we like live on the edge. What's, we're crazy. So since that's our tendency, and it is, since we want to see, i got a question, why was Eve so close to that one tree anyway? Because we all do this. It comes from our, our first parents, Adam and Eve. We get as close as we possibly can to the edge. So if that's our tendency, then it must also stand true that we need people in our lives that can call us up short. And what I see in you is this. If you continue to go out with this person for an innocent lunch, it's going to turn into more. Yes, sir, you're right. I'll cancel that appointment. If I see you, you're spending too much money on stuff that don't matter. You're right. 
In fact, I'm going to let you see my checkbook. And I will ask you if I can spend money on this or not. I don't want to live like that. Okay. What's the solution? What, what's the outcome? Then you will go off the cliff and then you'll come for somebody to help you get out. I'm trying to help you here this morning. I just want to encourage you to establish boundaries in your life, but go one step further. Establish boundary buddies. Guys need guys that can call guys to step up or they will step out. Girls need girls that will step in and say, quit acting the fool and don't do this or you will end up in, quit dating the guy you keep finding in the bar expecting him to be a priest. He's not going to be a priest. He's not going to be a prince. Don't matter how much you kiss him, he's always going to be a bar frog. Quit thinking that you're going to be able to march him down the aisle and then he's going to act right because he's got G inside of him too and he will end up where G. And we need somebody that will call us up short. So this morning, I just want you to know that, that if you are close to stepping out, you'd better cut off access. And if you've already stepped out, stepped out, then you better grant access. My challenge this morning to all of us is this, is that we have to take steps in advance to affair-proof every relationship in our life. If we don't take steps in advance, we will wake up suddenly and we will have stepped out. I also want to tell you this morning this truth too. I just want to give you some good news, some great news, in fact, from this account. And that is this, is, is, is that if you've already stepped out or you have been the victim of someone stepping out on you, the relationship and you can recover. That is the ultimate truth out of this entire account. You, go, you flip forward and you read and you discover that even though there was brokenness and pain and hurt and heartache, that Hosea goes and rescues Gomer and I just came to tell you this morning the good news is this it doesn't it it matters but it doesn't matter if if you've stepped out or if you've lived through someone stepping out and your life is shattered the great news I have for you this morning is that there's one by the name of Jesus who can rush in and rescue you and heal you and reestablish wholeness in you so if you'll grant ultimate access Jesus. Jesus has this ability to remove pain and anger and heartache and hurt and resentment. And we've watched couples that have struggled and have had one of the individuals or maybe both step out. And we have watched God restore them. And it's beautiful and it's great to watch. But the only person I know that can do that is the one that we have to get ultimate access to. And his name is Jesus. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. Affair-proof your relationships. Take practical steps to make sure that you don't cross boundaries that you will regret later. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today and I recognize that this is not an easy topic. It's certainly not a comfortable topic. If this was an exception, I probably wouldn't even deal with it. I think you included it in your word on purpose to be a lesson to us. I wished I could stand here this morning and say that we're all Hosea, but I think I know the truth about myself and the others in this room enough to know that most of us are a lot more like Gomer than Hosea. We like to get right up to the line. And then too often we step across the line and the result is pain and heartache 
and remorse that the boundary's been crossed. So, Father, my, my prayer is simply this this morning in this very heavy, heavy topic. I pray, first of all, we would each and every one of us discover what's missing in our life so that we don't flirt with things to try to myth, to fill the void. If I need attention, then Father, I pray that I would turn to my wife and to you to fill that attention. If I need uh, excitement, I pray that I would turn to the appropriate things to, to fill that need so that I don't turn somewhere else. God, I pray that you'd help each of us right now to evaluate lives let us be very honest with ourselves about what it may be that we're missing Father I pray that you would stop us in the process God I don't know any inside information I don't know who I'm talking to or what's been going on I just sensed in my spirit that there's probably some listening to me right now that if they were really honest they're starting to take small steps and I pray that you would arrest them in the small steps before it turns into baby steps and so if it's just a, a, a glance that we excuse or if it, it's a lingering look that we've excused or a, a fleeting touch or too much time or too much money, too much investment, too much, too much want. Then, Father, I pray this morning you would stop us in that process right now before we cross a boundary that will cause pain. I pray for every man in this room. I pray that right now you would search every man's heart I pray that our heart, as you search it, would be connected to our eyes and our mind. And you would stop us short in a process that will lead to pain. Arrest us in that, I pray. God, I pray that we wouldn't even take the first step. God, I pray for every woman in this house and watching online that maybe has unfulfilled needs in her own life void that causes her to search for fulfillment from a man I pray that in this moment right now every small step would be stopped in the name of Jesus and that every lady in this house watching online would run to you to feel what's missing in their life Last, Father, I pray that we would get very, very practical out of this level of honesty. And we would cut off access to the things and the people that are causing us to step out. I, I pray that it would be surgical. It would be here today, gone completely tomorrow. We would, we would delete phone numbers. We would delete uh, passwords, we would delete codes, we would de de delete relationships, whatever we have to cut access off to. God, I pray in an instant, we would it would be like we, we woke up 
wake us up. Wake us up. Help us to cut off any access to anything that would destroy us. And God, at the same time, I pray that you would allow us to allow access to the right people and the right things. I pray for men and women in this room that need covenant eyes on, this, on their phone and on their computer who've been too proud or, or, or too afraid to, to admit that there's an issue and they would, they would install whatever they've got to install. They would turn off, they would cut off cable, they, whatever they got to do, and we would grant access boundary buddies. God, I pray that you would attach us with people in this body and in our life that have the right and the access and permission to offend us if necessary. Offend me if you have to. Offend me if you have to. Grant somebody for each person in this room that will watch for them. That will call a guardrail a guardrail and not just a suggestion so that we will quit driving over the cliff and destroying our life. So God, I pray that you would do this. I pray two ways. One, I pray that people would be assigned to us and they would allow us to know that. But I also pray that if nobody comes to us and says, I'm assigned to you as your boundary buddy, I pray that we would be so determined to live in a whole way that we would, we would pursue and I would go out of my way to find somebody. And I would, I would recruit them. And I would give them access to my entire life. Here's my checkbook. Here's my phone. Here's my account password. Watch for me. So that what was said about David will never be said about us. Which was that he had no one to watch for his soul. I'm asking you to raise up an army of people that will watch for one another so that we will quit having to come along and trying to pick up pieces from broken lives and broken relationships that could have been avoided simply by establishing guardrails and putting somebody in charge of watching that guardrail for us. I ask you to accomplish this in the name of Jesus for our good and for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, touch your neighbor. I don't know where that came from. Touch your, touch your neighbor and play music. Touch your neighbor and tell them, don't step out. Don't step out. Don't step out. Don't step out. We want to welcome everybody to your to our family. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.